the intro video is starting now, I can delete all this. We're back after a long pause. Uh, I'm very, very happy today to have one of my favorite, favorite musicians in the history of music, from my opinion. Uh, <laughs> his name is Raúl Monsalve. He's a Venezuelan music visionary, again, in my opinion, and I think in the opinion of Mandy. Um, he, in Venezuela, had, apart from many projects where he participated, he had a band called Cray. Uh, he also participated in concerts and as a session musician and touring musician for Nigerian saxophonist Orlando Julius, the Elocentrics, also Orlando Poleo, members of the Fela Kuti Africa 70. He also has a band as well in Paris uh, called Insolite Universo, which make a new interpretation of Venezuelan folklore. And he has a project called Monsalven Los Forajidos, which is releasing a record today as we record, as we record this. Uh, podcast and I'm very excited about that because I've been waiting for that record for a while and I'm very glad to have Raul Monsalve on the Leo Perez show. Hello man, how are you today? Hey, <laughs> really excited, <laughs> exaggerated. <laughs> uh, you know, you know, like I always told to myself as my music career progressed, like remain a fan forever, like don't lose this kind of like magic oh, yeah. of music. Uh, you know, and the best way to start this, to kick off this podcast is that the Genesis stories of how I ever got to know about you or your music or something. Uh, for those who know about this, uh, about what the meaning of the number 420 is, uh, on a 420 in Caracas, uh, I was driving around the city and uh, we were inside a cloud of smoke in a car, you know, driving somewhere. And uh, when we came out and this like, you know, slow motion cloud of smoke comes out and we entered to some club in Caracas, which I don't remember which one it was. And boom, Crea was playing there and I was it was already playing when I arrived. I didn't know anything about it. I had never heard nothing, no band camp, nothing. I didn't know nothing that this existed even. And I was absolutely shocked by this and it really influenced me right on early. And then, well, eventually it happened this because of the Venezuelan diaspora that we all ended up spread out together or like all over the world. It happened that in London, I got to meet a lot of the people that I admired from Caracas scene and that's where we got to meet. And eventually you ended in London there. So how is your music adventure going and where are you at the moment of your life? How do you feel? How is it all going for you? It's a big question. <laughs> but the yeah. first question, what, what, uh, which year was that gig that you saw? 2007, I guess. It was before I moved from Caracas to London. I moved to Caracas to London in 2008. I would guess it's 2007. And was a trio or was a sextet? It was a, it was a trio. You had the radio. You had the radio on the stage, you know, uh, yeah. either microphone or connected and you were connected to a, to an echo pedal and you were just like psychedeling the hell out of that delay okay. like radio it was a trio yeah could have been 2006 but i'm pretty sure it was 2007 yeah, yeah it was the trio yeah because that was the end yeah oh. you know could have been no it cannot be 2008 because i left in march no so. yes yeah, seven seven or six seven probably and what a contrast what was happening in Venezuela back then and what is happening now. And I'm not even talking political, I'm just musically. I mean, I think there yeah. was a, you know, like some sort of, how do you call it? When you put like a lot of uh, bacteria and something grows in a Petri dish, you know, there was this very interesting 
so back to back to where I started, like how was kind of your journey, you know, from there to here in a way, like how, how did it all went for you and what's up? Man, it is so, so, you know, so many years now, we got you time. know, this is, it's, it's big, you know, what you want to know exactly with career or even before that, or let's just one, one starting point. We are, <laughs> we're having some beers and somebody asked you, how did your music life started kind of? I mean, let's my, split it by parts. Yeah, because it's cool. Goes even before I, I know how to play an instrument, you know? Yeah. Because I, I'm been obsessed with music since, man, since I'm, you know, seven years or eight years old. But not as an instrumentist. It's like a, as a music head. Did your parents were musicians or something like that? Or? No, that's all. That's the weird th stuff. And nothing, nobody in my family. Just, you, Just it was inborn you. Yes, I know. My my, my mom is really weird. Because we we used to, you know, one of the Saturday plans was to go to Recordland <laughs> to, to buy vinyls. You know, and it's weird because she's really like, um, how do you say, conservative in some way. Mm -hmm. I mean, a quiet person, really discreet, quiet person. Yeah. Well, he, he, she dig a lot of the, you know. Soda stereo and mm -hmm. like uh, the rock of the of the moment, you know, yeah. and like uh, you know, was NTV era, you know. So yeah, she 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 bought a lot of those records, and and you know, like and I can choose also my records I wanted, but at that moment as well, I, I start to you know, the, I always um, was fascinated by the you know punk, yeah. Uh, you know, fashion and everything. I was like, I was really small, and in my in my area mm -hmm. was a lot of punk rockers. You know, in the middle eighties. Okay. And uh, I was like, man, what the fuck? You know, the people win that. Were you scared? Were you scared about it or interested? Was it like intimidating? I for man, you? it was it's like... so fucking weird. Man, movies. You know how it affect your mind. Yeah. I remember really clearly to say it to my grandmother because I grew up with my grandmother as well. To say, oh yes, I, I because I, I went all the time to the supermarket to buy, you know, something mm -hmm. alone. You know, really, really child, like, you know, she she let me like to That's do some stuff. Like that. So I, I went to and and this always a guy with that, you know, big uh, how you say mohawk. Uh, yeah, you know, like four colors and and for me, it's, it's not even the punk word. It was that he, he was a drug addict? Because <laughs> <laughs> Venezuela is quite conservative in that sense. I mean, we don't have this. Yeah. It's kind of like you see somebody. It's strange. It's like drogadicto, like drug addict. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so I remember that I was like, "Oh man, it's so cool." And somewhere, you know, like so telling to my grandma, "Yeah, I saw a drug addict in the, in the supermarket <laughs> with a beer and you know colors and everything." And yeah, and, and after that, I started to, you know, to listen to that kind of music as well, you know, like metal and grindcore, hard, yes. hardcore, punk. And that was my, the beginning, you know, of, the, of the, my musical, like, uh, obsession, I, I would say. Was it clear for you? I mean, like an instrument became clear of you that you were more interested in an instrument at the beginning or it just like, what was the evolution of you ended up focusing on the bass guitar? Uh, um, no, man, I, I, I mean... The, the story is, is weird because I I don't know how, how it started. I, I I had a band. It's like, man, this is fucking... I, I, I just remember this. I have a band 
called Eutanasia. Excellent name. Yeah. And I was and I was the singer. Mm -hmm. All right. I'm I'm talking about when I was 13 years old till 15 or 16, something like that. And the weird thing is, I'm always, you know, and still now look younger than I am. Yeah. But at the moment, I was 13 and I looked younger than I. So you look like 10. <laughs> exactly, and I see. I, I used to sing like uh, you know, morbid angels kind of stuff. Roar, roar, roar. Yes. And man, was the, all the metal heads you know in Caracas? You know, like for 20, yeah, they had 20s at the moment or something like that. Like, uh, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and we record a demo, and I, I actually remember that that was in the radio. The you know. So in the program, yeah. the programs that play, you know, metal programs in, in the Sunday night, something yeah. like that. So, and after that, I, yeah, the people, you know, they, I was surrounded by instruments and uh, I started to, you know, play like the bass, the guitar a little bit. And um, after, man, it's really a long story, man. Yeah, man, we have time. Uh, and after... Um, the thing is, my father will be happy about that, but it is true. And I ask every every Christmas for <laughs> for a bass or a guitar because I switch each year. I switch. I want a guitar now. Yeah, no, I want a bass. Oh, I want a guitar. And he was he was a little bit scared. I must say, probably. because of the drug addictos. I mean, he was like, of course. Oh, and yeah. he he is really really like uh, you know. For him, it's like a rocks, drugs, no, everything, and it's true. It's the some, <laughs> also, some point. Some, some way, yeah. Uh, but you know, so he never gave me the the bass, never, never. So I, I, the first time that I have a bass in in my house, you know, in my room, was because somebody lent me because there was the gaitas in the. Uh -huh. in the Let so me make a pause. Let me make a pause here. So look, for non-Venezuelan audience. In Caracas, there is a phenomenon that happens every year, which is called the Gaitas, which this is some sort of like neo-folklore fusion kind of. It sounds like timba a little bit, like Cuban timba, <laughs> if you're going to try to aim towards what it sounds. And every school, there are these competitions and every school kind of sets up a band and yeah. then they they compete in all this uh, kind of like small music festivals. But for Venezuelan teenagers, this is like the prom for American teenagers, kind of. It's like yeah, exactly. a very meaningful thing where you either are going to meet some girls or boys, so you're interested in being there, or you're just going to feel like a rock star for a bit. So all of us, we have a saying in Venezuela, which is rockero que no baila muere virgen, which means like <laughs> rocker, <laughs> rocker that doesn't dance dies a virgin. So it doesn't matter what kind of music you were. I remember one sitting on the drum kit, like playing. I was also in the punk rock heavy metal stuff, and I was like, Okay, I have to play Latin music now so I can eventually get a girl or something like that. So let's do it. <laughs> so back to this. I mean, what Raul is telling us is that in the, he was a part of the Gaitas. And so you eventually grab an instrument, a bass, just because you entered to the Gaitas or it was kind of like a chicken egg situation. They both have. Yeah, like, uh, yeah I, I played already a little bit. Uh -huh. so, so, so the people said, yes, uh, we need a bass player. Go, Raul, take the bass, you know? Yeah. So somebody gave me the bass. Also a metalhead, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> and um, eventually I, I started to work. Yeah. And I, I bought my first bass. That's still my bass. It's the Jazz bass. Yeah. 88 Japan. Really, really nice. You know, 
the the white one. Yeah, yeah. Just, you know, I used to use with Cray and everything, but yes. Solid Universe as well. It's my base, you know. Um, so yeah, that's the, the the story, you know. So we're in a moment, kind of like after the Gaitas, you're already in university, kind of, right? Something like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, then you know, there is something that I'm really interested in understanding as well in this conversation, which is that. There seem to have been some people in Caracas who went really into the Latin psychedelia or mm -hmm. into the la into the development of contemporary Latin music. And there is other people. I I'm in that group. I'm not in the other one. For example, in here, I'm talking about Ernesto Marichales, you know, um, mm -hmm. and all that jazz. I mean, and, and Aldo Lamana too. And I mean, and the guys from Cape, things like that, that were kind of like making a fusion between Venezuelan music and, and contemporary music. And there were others me in that group, which is something <coughs> that I'm, I'm kind of sad about from my own biography, but it, that's how it happened, that we're more kind of like looking towards America and kind of, mm. uh, yeah, a bit more orienting themselves towards making some sort of Americanized music. What do you mm. think that made you take that path of the psych Latin psychedelia? Was it something connected to your friends? I know that you're not like narrowed inside that path, but there's a difference. Oh, that's all, that's I really all. know that. but but. There are some people who carry this flow and this song, you know, and they developed yeah. it across their lives. And there are some people who don't. And we're both from the same country and the same culture. Of course, is this yeah. something that comes from your house? Is it something that came from your friends? Or is it something that came from maybe a, like a, a, a personal experience that took you there? It was just a natural thing. Man, is you know, we are the conditions that, you know, yeah. surround us, you know. Um, I would say... The thing is, I, I start to play with, you know, uh, this band, El Supremo Imaginario, which is a really, really psychedelic band mm -hmm. with the name, you know, the Supreme uh, Hallucinary no? <laughs> Mushroom. <laughs> so that was my first, like, gig band we played, you know, in Caracas, and it was a band that was playing already. And um, what I will say, I was already really interested in, in psychedelic 60s, 70s stuff, mm -hmm. you know? So me, me and and Ruben, who was the guitar player of Cre, mm -hmm. you know, um, we were listening and and you know friends. That that that, that period connects to, to the new album. Actually, we will see why. Excellent. <laughs> you know, Excellent. so um, we were like Ruben, Daniel, who is in the new album. Me, we were listening and dressing even really like you know we want we 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 dream like we were born. In the you know like uh, we saw a Frank Zappa live <laughs> concert in '68, you know. Yeah, yeah. So um, we we we're really into that, you know, listening to prog a little bit like Genesis and Jazz and King Crimson. I was you know I'm still big fan of King Same. Crimson and uh, all that stuff. But uh, suddenly we uh, because I was start to play in the Supremo Imaginario, there was a sax player called Pablo Garcia. Mm -hmm who used to play there. And Pablo is like, um, how you would say, man? The, the seed, you will see, yeah, is that, that, that the word? Like the know? Dark Lord? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like yeah. the Dark Lord? But not for me, even, you know, for this, he, because he, he used to live in, in, in Paris mm -hmm. in the 60s and in the 70s, actually. Ah. Okay? Okay. He lived like eight years here. Mm -hmm. And um, he, he brought there all the free jazz, stuff you know he was really into sunra he used you know he saw yeah. live a couple of times 
Art Ensemble of Chicago, mm -hmm. you know, all that kind of guys. And he brought that, that information to a barrio, to a slum in Caracas, with Sarria, mm -hmm. you know. Yep. And in Sarria, and he also, Pablo, he before he was into traditional music. So in Sarria, you know, they were these kids that were playing salsa, you know, or trying to learn how to play salsa because they were like 15, 14 years old. Yep. You know, we're talking about Orlando Poleo, you know, all these guys. And, and you know, Pablo came there and started to teach the, guy, the, the kids free jazz or Latin jazz, you know, Mongo, Santa Maria, and that kind of stuff. So I met Pablo and I met towards him uh, all the percussionists that were not 15 now, were like, uh, you know, 50 now at that moment or, yeah, more or less. And they, we became really, really good friends, you know, and we, we started to play a lot and I started to feel like a strong connection with Latin music. Also yeah. because, and, you know, because I was listening to so much British music and stuff, but at, at some point I feel some strong connection in my, you know, even in my look, you know, in my, yeah. the, you see like, oh man, when, when I listen to, you know, Bobby Valentino or something like that, uh, or I don't know, man, wh whatever, salsa singer or whatever, you know, you see maybe even a connection in, in your look or whatever, you know, like a, I'm come from here, you know? Yes. And also you start to, you know, connect like a salsa is not in the seventies, you know, wasn't salsa like it's now. This guy were really into rock as well. Yes. So you can see in the way they dress, the way they, the arrangement are you know are made. So it's really like a, you can you can how you say psychedelic how you say psychedelic Latin something yeah. like that. Yeah, Latin so psychedelic. You, can, yeah. you 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 see like a way a path like you can bring all your you know psychedelic um, background in some way into yeah. your even more back background, you know, which is Latin music, you know? So that mixed together and that's the, for me, that's like a, you know, revelation or something. As it's, a, it's, it's the thing I, I'm, I'm doing till, till today. As a, as a Venezuelan, that, like in the Caracanian, like I, I could never imagine that uh, there was a Parisian seed brought into Sarria in a point, you know, into Sarria, sorry, uh, yeah. barrio. And that that's kind of because I was always like feeling this like and I was noticing that because I grew up in a totally different environment in Caracas in some sort of like isolated east more, you know, kind of uh, east. Me, me too, man. I'm from a cafetal, you know. Yeah. But I, yeah. I just never had exposure to this when I was growing up, kind of until I met Cre. It was something like that. That's why for mm. me it was so revelatory moment. Like and I was like, wow, like. Because I was always trying to find what's the voice of Venezuela in terms of contemporary music. I'm not talking about here, like like our more traditional things. And and every mm -hmm. time I'm abroad, you know, if I want to explain to somebody what has happened or what's happening in Caracas, I just go back to your record and I show it. Like it's like okay, look, if you want to understand, like mm -hmm. kind of, or Bacalao Man. I mean, yeah. Uh, if I you want to understand, that, yeah. if you want to understand what's the sound of Caracas in modernity, I mean, what are our radio heads? They kind of sound like this. I mean like the visionary proposal of music towards the world. Yeah. Uh, by the way, this, this lets me to ask you a question out of this. If salsa was like that before, how it is now? Because you're saying it's not like now. How it is now? Like, is it... I like mean, it's, it's different. It's not bad. I love, I love to play salsa. I was playing yeah. salsa gig last Friday, man. It's 
every time that we play that, it's like, I'm so happy, you know. Because <laughs> it's so, when you play right with the right people, it's like, uh, man, sure. Ruby, you're happy. Let, let me reframe the question. We're growing up and I we're becoming a bit older, like not well, just just moving on like in our lives. And sometimes I look back and I start to get this feeling of like, ah, things were not how they used to be. Mm. <laughs> kind of, you know, yeah. I feel very frustrated about that because I was always thinking, you know, I will remain youthful forever. Do you have a feeling like this, you know, in terms of Latin music, like things are evolving towards somewhere more interesting in your opinion or less interesting? Is this something that we can talk about or there is no useful conversation there man um no it's really useful um i would say i i i've listened some records that i i i, I like okay mm -hmm. from today yeah and definitely there's a really really good bands because you know became really codified that's the thing okay codified yeah uh -huh. the salsa you know okay you know how to sound like uh, sonora ponceña or Fania, or you know, you can a little bit, you know, you, uh, you know, like the armor, the, the the harmonies they do, you know, you can now, you know, make the difference and sound like, you know, yeah. So, um, that's that's one thing. So, but also people are more separated nowadays. I think so. Mm -hmm. So people listen Latin music in Europe is, is more even because there's the people like. The, um, Europeans that like Latin music, that really into uh, dance course, you know, that dance class. <laughs> yes. And so it's a completely another vibe from you know rock yeah. or pop, you know. Um, some the thing the thing is uh, when even when when we grow up in Caracas, you know, like uh, there was a venue called Mani. Yeah. And you can see there, uh, yeah, Bacalao Man. Uh, People come, uh, act, actors from you know undergrounds, uh, uh, theaters and uh, rockers, and was a little bit mixed because in Venezuela we don't have that problem that we you know we can we don't have that codified even in the dance you know yeah. we just dance yeah so that that helps you to you know to navigate and uh, to mix you know but uh, probably in the seventies was worse. I, I, I'm I'm pretty sure because I have books and you know I'm really when, when you mean worse you mean it was even more more mixed, better right yeah, exactly, exactly. what's yeah. better <laughs> yeah because you know they were even like uh, I don't know for example El Pavo Frank mm -hmm. I'm I'm pretty sure he was into you know funk and uh, salsa he was yeah, you know loving course. and playing with Mongo Santa Maria and he was into Aldemaro playing on Danueva so you know that it's like a uh, a real like character, a crossover. yeah, and I'm, yeah, and uh, Ray Perez also, you know, you 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 when you see the interviews, he was talking about psychedelic music in the in the in the sixties, but he plays salsa, so you know, the thing is just it's really really mixed, but probably it's now the same, just that I, I don't love <laughs> like modern pop Latin music, yeah. So there's so many musicians in Latin America that play really good, you know, salsa and, you know, mm, man, I don't want to say names because it was a bit too obvious, but, yeah. you know, uh, pop singers that we hear in the radio in, in Latin America that for me it's like, oh, I, can't, yeah. I can't stand it, you know? So, yeah. 
Which brings I don't me know to the, the question. It was the answer was really. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. what I get from you the get answer, the what I get from the answer, is something really interesting, which fascinates me about modernity because it's pretty interesting how, even though even though we have platforms to be more kind of like eclectic and united, things have become like have compartmentalized into little islands, like of styles, you know. That are big. well, Man. it's kind of natural because there are more communities now that you can make online. Like, okay, we hear this or we hear that, which has a counter-negative effect, which is that Absolutely things are absolutely counter-negative, man. And it's so fascinating that it's one would expect the opposite, right? Because it's like, oh, we have all this freedom and openness, but at all, man. Because you know, that internet just shows you what you. I'm, I'm scared because you know, since like four years now or more. Mm-hmm. I saw in my, my Facebook feeds or whatever, man, just like, uh, exactly, psychedelic music. Yeah. Like, uh, man, when I grew up, you know, I was able to, you know, to learn about tortoise, Radiohead, or underground stuff, you know, that wasn't 70s, 60s stuff, you know? Yeah. I, like, uh, I, and not only that, you know, movies, uh, etc. So, because it was more relationships in between yes. people. Not yes. like an internet show you, you know, what you click in YouTube or whatever, you know. Exactly. So that, that helps you to to open and connect. As I told you, like, uh, man, the, the guys playing salsa in Sarria, but learning free jazz, you know. That's the only connection with somebody that gives that information. No, internet internet never will propose you. Exactly. Free jazz if you are into salsa, exactly. you know. Exactly. It's just like, it's just like... Uh, we all went into this social media stuff like like uh, like you know blindfolded thinking that no, nothing of this was going to have negative consequences and uh, it has very strangely isolated us instead of bringing us together i mean it's kind of like anti social media in a way like yes. like like what's going on and i mean i, I really don't want to sound like a grandpa but but this was this was for me obvious from the beginning i remember when the facebook wall came out and I just yeah. remember doing this facepalm like, oh, no, man, my, my this is going to be full of sushi pictures and soap and soup, you know. <laughs> and, and, and now, I mean, now we're in a moment. I don't know if you notice, I, I really follow American politics and something really fucked up happened yesterday that imagine there is a news that doesn't help the campaign of the Democrats. It's a news about George, Joe Biden that mm-hmm. came out yesterday. And if this was from the New York Post, it's, it's a big newspaper and uh the the news that came out and every person who shared that link was got their twitter account banned like because twitter is now acting as a redactor instead of as a space where you can just say something so i mean the same is happening with music who becomes popular who grows who pushes depends on an algorithm or a payment or and we have diluted kind of this the social connection that music was in a way. I mean, I really don't want to sound like a grandpa. I'm sure that there is still this element, you know, you can find it. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But damn, man, like things are really weird now. Like they're really weird and they're not, they, they really feel some sort of like Black Mirror episode that we're living or something in a certain way that, that I mean, there used to be this more human thing that built a, like, like, like a life for you. And, and now this is kind yeah. of lost. I mean, I, I, I don't know what we can do. I guess that the only thing we can do to counter that is to play shows, right? Like, and, I mean, it's not, and it's not possible now. Well, I have one now. tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> do you feel like it's the new, the first time again? <laughs> like, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. By, the, by the way, how is like for a musician like you? I mean, for people who imagine to have a career in music, you're a person who only lives out of music, right? How is kind of your your week kind of like? I mean, I teach, then I do this, and I do that. Like, yeah, that's it. I uh, I was teaching yesterday and mm -hmm. yesterday before, and uh, I'm free today tomorrow. <laughs> so that's it. And you know, during the week I mostly teach. You know, mm -hmm. but I have lucky. I have. Since three weeks now, four weeks, every every uh, Saturday, Friday or Saturday, I have a gig. So that's lucky, man, because there's nothing happening, you know. And even I have a, like a artist re re uh, residency, you know, yeah. for creating. So we create a gig for, for a festival here, like mm -hmm. three weeks ago. It was really cool, man. And um, I start to rehearse the new tracks of the new album. So that's really nice. Awesome. You know, and yeah. this... And this, uh, there is a very big part of our conversation that I wanted to go into, um, which uh, and well, before we leave this question that I left, that I started, so you kind of like teach and play shows and play session session work as well sometimes, or uh, like a recording, you say? Yeah, yeah. Recording? No, that happened that much actually. No. Yeah. But I play with many different projects. Awesome. So no, last Friday was salsa. Week before was this uh, creation, you know. Yeah. Tomorrow it was as in Solito Universo. So yeah. you know that's keep, keeps me a, a little bit busy. Yeah, could be more busy, but the situation is you know it's terrible. So yeah, yeah. So before again, I move on. I just want to restate for anybody who listens to this conversation who dreams to have a career in music. It's like, hey, listen, this is totally possible. Don't ever hear that from somebody that this is not. A possibility in your life because i remember when i i also live out of music nowadays and every time i went to ask somebody this question i was like the answer was don't do it and i'm like i'm always the opposite it's like hey listen man this is very tough you know but course, this is very tough and you but i think every every creative endeavor is tough because uh, you mm -hmm. need to establish a contract with society which is like society i want to do exactly what i want to do and you will pay me for that and that's a pretty like you see, it's a very like custom solution for how to live, you know, whereas mm. the other option is like society. I will do what you want me to do and I will get paid for that. And, and so that's a more general solution. And that's why I think yeah. not working in a creative endeavor is kind of an easier path. Um, but if you're willing to put 10,000 hours of free work, kind of, I think that's the 10,000 hours. How many years? I don't know. But that's kind of how you get a career in something like this. I mean, just to to gain that experience and <laughs> and you know and just suck that <laughs> you know put it like that <laughs> suck that that male male genitalia for a while like that's how it is like it's just like you gotta just uh, just uh, you know wrap it up and so I just wanted to give this message because I'm I really want people to be able to achieve their dreams and pursue them and I you know I I don't like that answer of like no don't do this because it's too hard I like this mm. quote from John F Kennedy you know which is like we didn't went to the moon because it's easy. We went to the moon because it's hard. I mean, that's precisely sometimes the mm -hmm. point why you choose yeah. this kind of, you know, paths. Now we're in the COVID world where things are just really difficult for musicians, especially. I mean, because because yeah. because something really, you know, I, I'm taking here a bit the floor and, and speaking a bit. Uh, I will take us to another very interesting point soon. Uh, but I want to give a couple of uh, throw a couple of ideas on the table. I'm now I'm now a curator of a bachelor's in music production, and so I've been 
I've been given the tasks to put together a bachelor's in music production that is comprehensive, a four-year course. Uh, and one of the things that I have to develop is a music styles course. It's like, and so my, there I have, I'm working with a course designer, it's a pedagogue, and she asked me, how would you separate the history of music? Like in which, and I was like, damn, <laughs> why, mm. don't, why don't you ask me to produce like the cure of cancer or something like <laughs> Maybe that's easier. <laughs> um, but no, my answer was kind of like, because we're talking about contemporary music, my, under, my answer was something like pre-50s, uh, which is kind of like pre the development of recording studios, mm. post post fifties until the nineties, kind of like uh, the era of the tape, and then kind of like nineties, and then I said post Napster, kind of like that's kind of the the era that follows, you know. Okay. And this has thrown a wrench into our lives as musicians because it seems as a blessing, you know, <coughs> it seems like something that should help us to get our message out, but it totally destroyed our income, you know, and our revenue source. And then we're in mm. a world in which musicians only make music out of gigs, right? I mean, mm. basically your income from records, I guess it's kind of negligible in your life, right? I mean, you make some money, but mm. or how is it, how does it work for you? I mean, it, it's not comparable to gigs. Yeah. But I had, I don't know, man, what happened at some point. I I, would, I don't know. I, I don't use to use uh, Spotify Yeah. at some point, okay? I'm used now. Um, but at some point, I didn't even pay attention. But I was into Spotify. I think I was into playlists or big playlists mm -hmm. or whatever. Mm -hmm. Man, I have like an income every month. Mm. It wasn't, wasn't big, but it helped me to pay once one, I say supermarket, one, like one, 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 yeah, one shop, like you can make exactly, one, yeah, one food one, shop, a, a little shop. Okay. So that helps. And uh, with vinyls, it, you know, yes, I, I, it's, it's an income when, you know, a little, it's yeah, not that, yeah. that big, but it's something, it's something. It's like nothing. I, man, because when we were into the cities, uh, man, it was difficult. I have plenty of cities till the, from Cray even, you know, yeah. It was difficult yeah. to sell and, and we never really, you know, the investment, we never get back that. Yeah, sure. So with, with the vinyls, is you know, probably vinyls and I have the help also of Linda Records now that is more clever, way more clever sure. than me into sure. distribution and how to sell it, you know. What's that story? I mean, the, the, you're, you're, signed, you're kind of, I don't know if to call it signed, I mean, you may have an agreement with this record label? Yeah. Yes, yes, exactly. Where are they mm -hmm. from? London, one Venezuelan actually from London, Miguel uh -huh. Colmenares, uh -huh. and I am British on Olivier Brunetti. And yeah, that we, we start to work like uh, three years now, two years, three or four years. Okay. So they released um, 45 from Forajidos, they released Insolito Universo, and they are releasing now Bichos today. Uh huh, man. Yeah. I cannot wait to hear it, man. When, when, is it going to be out today? Today, today, it's now, it's in Spotify now. Oh, and band, band camp and whatever you want. Ah, man, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to have a great time after this. <laughs> <laughs> Look, uh, the next uh, part where I want to go is to Africa. Because, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, there is, like, I guess, something that people don't understand who have never been in a country like Venezuela or something is that... Well, firstly, I remember a quote from our good friend Ernesto Marichales, which was, man, Venezuela, it's not a Latin American country, it's a Caribbean country. Uh, mm. which is a really clever okay. idea because Colombia, well, Colombia has a part of Caribbean, but for also, yeah. yeah, but obviously Ecuador is a Latin American country and Argentina is a Latin American country. And we're very different to them in that sense. 
because we're a Caribbean country in a way. Um, so how did you, where do you put Africa in this whole picture? You know, we're talking about, because there is a point in which Latin and Africa just kind of like merged, you know, and I, mm -hmm. this seems to happen in cities like London in Paris and Paris kind of like, yeah. like uh, how did Africa, I mean, did Africa was always in your life or is something that you met when you moved to Europe? No, uh, no, 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 before. Um, I'm not agree with with, uh, with Ernesto. Aha, great. We, let's 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 go with that. Because we are yeah, we are Caribbean. It is obvious. We have we are into the Caribbean, you know? It's part of the, our coast. So, yeah, the north part is really Caribbean, but the thing with Venezuela is that many is, is chaos. <laughs> Land, lands yeah, even is if people can understand that. Because it's a kind of small, you can say, country. Mm -hmm. We have snow. We have Amazonians. We you know with Aborigines, with yes. indigenous people. We have the Caribbean. Yeah, you're right. So you know, had the Guyana, the, 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 the other side, the, the Llanos, the plains, the plains. You know, yeah. which is another vibe, another landscape. So we are, we are that. You are like. A, And adding, adding to your commentary here, for example, Musica Llanera, it's 0% Caribbean. For example, it's 0% Caribbean. Exactly. That, that's it. So, you know, Caribbean, I mean, the chaos, the, the, the chaos of the Caribbean, we can say in the, our character, but we are not Caribbean. From somebody of Caracas, yes, we are so Caribbean, Super you know, Caribbean, because, yeah. because we are in the North part. Yeah. So we are, we are touching that, you know. And um, what was the question? We're going. We're we're marrying Africa and, um, and Latin America. If this happens there, or it hap or in your life, no. and or it happens in Europe and things like that. Yeah. No, no. So the thing is, again, with the, my people of Sarria, that you you can see is my my school. Yeah. Basically. Yeah, that's good. And I I start to learn with them, uh, you know, and going deeply into Afro Caribbean music, salsa you know, all traditional stuff, Mozambique, mm -hmm. uh, you know, bata or whatever, you know. We didn't play bata at the moment, but, you know, I can remember, yeah, playing, you know, cha-cha-cha, bolero, dancing, et cetera, you know, and mix it with crazy stuff. And uh, we used to jam a lot. So I was into into that. And not, I will say Africa at the beginning is just music with congas and percussion and, you know, And after you start to, ah, okay, yeah, realize when the chorus say something, the people re respond, Repeat you know, it. it's, it's question and answer. Okay, that's, and after uh, a good friend of mine who plays also with this guy, Pablo Garcia, mm -hmm. Carlos Chirino, who also helped me a lot to go to London when I used to live in London, yep. you know, uh, he was a sax player. And he brought to Venezuela at what point uh, Fela Cutie, uh, Graded hits. Okay. And when I listen to Zombie the first time, I would say it changed my life. I would say this fuck that track I listen to today. Of course. 20 years after that, or maybe, you know, more or less. And I was into Afrobeat, you know, a lot. I was into funk already. I was already into funk Latin, you know. And when I listened to Fela, I was like, oh my God, it's yes. so, you know, this groove is just the most amazing thing and tight thing I heard in my life, you yes. know, and the vibe and everything. When and this uh, happened? 20 years ago, kind of like? 20, yeah, probably uh -huh. 2002 or something like mm -hmm. that. Uh, yeah, 2003 or whatever, around there, okay? Mm -hmm. 
so that we with Craig we start to you know to play a little bit of Afrobeat as well. And um, the thing is, I I, I don't know how and um, why why and where I was getting interested into Barlovento percussion. You know. Okay. Also because I was, you know, learning Afro-Caribbean and was like searching more and more and more. Yeah, but Barlovento is a region of Venezuela, for those who don't know, who is pretty, pretty like black population and very like African yeah. roots. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, and it's, it's like 14 minutes from Caracas. It's really, really close. And um, so I started to, you know, to buy in like a cooler puyas and stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, I was going back and forward to the to the a small town called Curiepe, mm -hmm. which is the most known small village in, in Barlovento. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so I started to, you know, talking to people and everything. And, and uh, one year, probably 2007 or 2006, um, I decided that I will study ethnomusicology and I want to, you know, uh, record and film uh, the celebration of uh, San John, uh, San John Baptist. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, which is like the... This, the, 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 the saint of the Afro community. Yeah. So I, I go there like a, a week before the, the festivity, just to, you know, record and film everybody, the, 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 the life in the, in the town. And when they, the festivity start, man, also one more time is like, a <laughs> because I was always into Afro, you know, because I, you always, Used to go to Chuao and Choroni, yep. which is an older part of the coast, and that music is like a, also I've seen for years. You know the Kumako stuff, you know. Yep. And, but this is, was another one, and because they were a little bit more isolated, you know, this has also another another. It was another music that basically is that that I didn't know at the moment, you know, and I saw the potential. I was like, a, that's what this funky, you know. Yeah. I started like a. Make it a connection in my brain, like oh man, fella, whoa, and this rhythm is that's going. Per that's perfect. That's perfect. So that yeah, and was before London, and when I went to London first time in 2008, probably uh, I have been lucky to you know that because I I started to to, to transcribe the, the Afrobeat stuff myself. You know the drums. It's really difficult because at Tony Allen he plays really really like that. You know. Really, in small volume yes, yes. and mixed with the percussion. Yes. That's for me it's like a, the dream, you know? So you can never grab the, the what he's doing. <laughs> yes. So was in London when I saw, you know, people playing Afrobeat, you know, drummers and I even Tony Allen, I used I jammed one time with him, so in London and I saw okay, that's what he's doing. Damn, the, man. Yeah. That's amazing. I didn't know that. Uh -huh. Yeah. So I was like, oh my God, okay, that's that's the way. And um, so, yeah, it's like um, going one step more. But you did know. you move to London seeking for that vibe or, I mean, what were you looking for when you moved to London? Like, like I, I understand, like, I mean, you want to play shows and you want to expand yourself, but then you have all the world and you ended up in London. Like, uh, that was because that was some of the capital, one of the capitals of Afrobeat in Europe or, or it just like it happens that it was easier to move there for some other reason. Man. It's a good question. I don't know how. how we, <laughs> I used to have a girlfriend at the moment, we, we, and we start to, you know, to look together to go to England. Mm -hmm. And she, I remember, she, she was she studied in Newcastle, York, or whatever, something yeah. like that. But we we separated. Uh, yeah, you sure. Know, 
quickly. Maybe I, I keep the idea, you know, to, to, to that. And man, as I told you before, uh, uh, British music is really in me, in my uh, ADN, yeah. you know, also. You know, so when I, when I go, uh, ah, and a friend of mine, Ezequiel Serrano as well, he, uh -huh. he went to play in London one time and he, he said to me, man, it's, it's scary, you know. Yeah. So, and it was the no, first time abroad my life was in London. So it was like a man. It was um, the first time you ever left Venezuela. It was to move there. Well, it, well, it was a one time, one week. We went no, one weekend probably. We we played with Crane, New Mexico, which uh -huh. is man, wow. it's, it's nowhere land. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. So second time was go to <laughs> London. Bam. <Wow>. And it's <laughs> like, a, I, I knew that, you know, uh, everybody told me, man, if you're looking for Afrobeat, that's the place. And I have the help, man, there's so many, you know, like or everything in life, coincidence. I have Carlos Chirinos, their friend, yeah. I told you before, the sax player, who was teaching in SOAS. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. he helped me a lot. So, you know, I, I saw a possibility to go to London. So I, I just stuck on that. Did you yeah. did you left there kind of escaping the situation or it was just a ma I mean the Venezuelan situation or was yeah. it more like a matter of expanding your musical horizon I mean both 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 but both. would would you have I mean it's a hard question like would you have liked to stay there or oh. it was obvious that you had to migrate like they stay there where in Venezuela, in Venezuela I'm, I'm talking here about your profession and your ambitions as a person you know it's like yeah. imagine that there was no crisis and you were yeah. like would you have migrated or stayed? No, I mean, that since I was really a teenager, I was sure. No, I want, I would want to go to to Europe to to see how it is, you know. Yeah. See how it is. The the people are are, are used to to listen at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. People change. I won't say that now. Okay. Mm -hmm. Twenty years after, or more than that, ten years. After. But you already had the experience, right? Yeah. I already had the experience, but also I have the fascination of my, now my my idols. Uh, yes, Beatles probably they're still my idols, mm -hmm. but Sunday Chuao is also my idols now. So I'm I'm kind of frustrated. I'm here and I can't go. You know, take my a car and go to Chuao or right. somebody, you know, a town and stay one week and just learn and play like crazy with these guys. You know. And learning here, kind of alone, so or with people that yeah. you know you can see here. So probably I won't say that now. I, but also there's the 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 the, the, the basics. Yeah. You know, yeah. How you live in if in in an ideal situation where you can live and you know travel and stuff like and yeah. travel and go back and forward. Man, you know, Roy, I will say now I will I will go. No, I have this thought. I'm really enthusiastic about space and space exploration and stuff like that. And when you see when you see the whole solar system, you you start realizing that, for example, Mercury, like Mercury, in the day it has a temperature kind of a 400 degrees Celsius, and in the night it has like a temperature of minus 400 degrees Celsius or something like that. And Venus has a temperature of like minus 800, uh, sorry, plus 800 degrees Celsius on temperature, super hot. I mean, it melts lead. And then you keep going and you see like frozen, 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 frozen. And then you see the Earth, right? And I'm in Russia and you see like 
cold, 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 cold. And then there is this little line, <laughs> this little microscopic line in the, think about it in the context of the solar system. Like yeah. it's impossibly small area, man, in which it's always 26, 30 degrees. <laughs> and we were born there and then yeah. we left. And I'm always like, fuck. Yeah. yeah. Fuck, why, man? Like, why did we have to leave? Like, and it's, well, I mean, it's a catastrophe of, of what humans can do, right? I mean, it's just nature on its own. It's not enough. I mean, even yeah. though it was so amazing, every time I'm hearing, imagine, man, I live in Moscow. Like, this is super cold. It's super hostile weather. And so um, many times I'm like on, an air, on a lift or something and, and on a elevator and somebody asks me like, where are you from Venezuela? What are you doing here? <laughs> and I'm like, mm, well, I mean, that's a long story. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a long story. Sadly, we had to leave, and and I mean, and and uh, I guess that this also enriched our world, and this leads me very comfortably to another thing I wanted to talk to you about. It seems like this mass migration of Venezuelans kind of enriched the world of music abroad and yeah. destroyed our music because everybody left, but. But do you see the effect of this? For example, before 2008, it was impossible to find arepas anywhere. And then, boom, you find arepas kind of with some regularity somewhere. Yeah. Do you feel that something similar has happened in music? Has the world of Latin music Venezuelanized a bit? Uh, or is it too ambitious to think something like that? No, I'm, I'm, I mean, I, I, I would like to, to think like that, you know. Uh, and probably it's true. Because so many men, so people in New York, so many friends, you know, people that I know in New York, like they're playing drums, amazing, you know, and in all days, you know, in the street, whatever, you know, so they're doing concerts, uh, spraying, you know, uh, Venezuelan music. Yeah. Luz Mira, who, you know, was before us here in London, mm -hmm. here in, in London, and uh, Ernesto Baldomero, you know, there's so many. In Spain, you have uh, Carlos Tales. I'm talking about just traditional music, no? Yeah. Traditional. And the guys from the Candeleros also, they got like a, also a little touch of, you know, traditional Venezuelan music. In the older vibe, no Afro-Venezuelan, the more, you know, cuatro stuff. Yeah. You have, I have here in Paris, like a enormous quantity of people that have, they came here now. And uh, they're playing, they're doing shows, they're you know spraying the world. So the people, they, even in my scale, I will say that's you know I probably I will uh, I would like that with more, but like in solid universo, something like that. Okay, people used to you know, like uh, ah yes, yeah, cuatro and this thing as joropo. So when people start to you know recognizing uh, traditional music abroad and. Um, that's also in the, their case in, in Latin America, Mexico, you know, yeah. you have uh, Augusto Bracho, you have Rafa Pino, Orestes Gomez. So, man, all the, each, each uh, people, each person, each artist with amazing personality, you know, like it's not, each one is one, one vibe, you know? Yeah. And um, that's, I think it's pretty amazing, you know? And for me, I, I imagine that it's like the country, is living abroad. Abroad, yes. Yeah. But at the same time, in, I don't know, because I have so many years that I have been in, in Venezuela. You know, what I've seen, you know, social media, friends that lives there. Man, the, the, the tradition is there, you know. 
some tradition, some tradition has just destroyed because yeah. you know the as normal with tradition as well. Probably more if the people you know goes away and the, the situation we live when you must if you don't have how to eat, you know. Yeah, you, you cannot make culture you, really. Exactly. You know, that's that's the basic rule, and. Yeah. Um, So yeah, probably Venezuela the, the thing continues and will be amazing. You know, I, I know so many good musicians that are there, but what what brings us the diaspora is like a, we we take advantage to the industry or the in, structure of this kind of countries to you know to make concerts and let people know what is what is our music about. You know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. By the way, uh, how do you find yourself in Paris? I mean, uh, is this a great place to make music? Uh, do you find it like a thriving environment? Are you frustrated somehow? Like, how do you feel? Uh, um, it's not. It's not that that straightforward. Probably, uh -huh. Uh -huh. I, I I have felt frustrated for so many years. I must yeah. say, but yeah. that's not that case now. Okay, okay? So, several years is is better. But it's not it's not like London. London and my, my if I compare both cities, but it's my personal experience. Of course. Probably it's, it's not the, the truth. London, if you know how to do something, you have the you know the place to do it. Yeah. Here, you need to know somebody, you know how to have a degree, you know to, you know, it's so fucking it's another mentality. Mm-hmm. Um Really bureaucratic, uh, but even in personal, in personal stuff, you know, mm -hmm. like, in, like in Venezuela as well, it's like that for me. Like you go to a concert and you see the CV in the in the uh -huh. description, but you know, story <laughs> in the blah, 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 and he plays with blah, blah, blah. It's really true like that a, London is not like that. Man, London is like a. You know how to do it? Okay. Go play and move your, you know, make me make me cry, you yeah. know. And the people, if the guy do it or the girl do it, so. Done, man. Yeah, it's funny, thing. right? People think that English uh, English people are more like squared, you know, but they really aren't. It's they are they are really like 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 they took too much acid or something in a point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> they're just really fluid, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's more pragmatic some way, but you know how my my teacher, you know, is uh, Orlando Poleo, mm -hmm. because yeah. I was among and said, man, I will leave, you know, and he said. Man, yeah, it was like I was already four or five years here at that moment. And he said, man, take it easy because in France, things take time, yeah. a lot of time. But when you, you know, some people start to listen to you, they, this is stable, you know? Yeah. So yeah. listen to me. And um, man, it's a guy with experience, you know? So, of course. So, uh, yeah, and so yeah, so many people tell me the same advice. So it's not only me. It's like the yeah, they call like that, you know. It takes it's, it's like takes time a lot. I, of I stuff. always I always think about it because it's very easy to victimize oneself. Like I, I mean, of course, in no way is talking about you. I'm talking like as a general thing. Like it's very easy to victimize oneself. Like ah, oh, it's so hard for me. Oh my god. But mm. you would do the same if you were living in your country. I mean, if you were sitting there in your country and you get this guy who you know from childhood, you know that you know for 20 years, and then you have to decide between doing something with him or doing something with a guy that that you just met like a week ago. Uh, you're kind of gonna lean towards that. It's it's not that the places oh. are unfair. It's exactly. just that it's yeah. just that stuff. In Moscow, of course, in Moscow, things are super different because. 
I mean, there must be like 20 guys like me here or something like, and that's it. I mean, in the sense that mm -hmm. the, the migration is very different. Nobody sits down and says, let's move to Moscow. Woohoo. Like, I mean, it's, nah. I mean, some people do, but, but unless you have a Russian wife or something, you don't have that goal. And in my case, it was like, I mean, I landed here and there was a conveyor belt that pulled me immediately. I mean, I was like, mm. and uh, it was so fast. Everything opened so fast. Like, I don't know. Do you know how, like, I mean, when I landed here, I knew one person. I landed in November. I knew one person. And in April, I was already a partner in a studio. And uh -huh. one year later, I was already working with the biggest artists of the country. It was like like touring the whole country. I mean, I met Roman Abramovich, played shows in London under, under the Stamford Bridge. I mean, it was like some crazy stuff that happened so fast because yeah, I mean, Moscow has a deficiency of of uh, of this kind of immigrants, you know, who are like mm. like 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 educated in their area, especially in music, things like that. So mm. actually to the point that look, and also there is a big culture here of adoration to the foreigner because Russia was so isolated for so many years. This, of course, depends on where you are from. I mean, Russia has uh, its prejudice uh, because remember, Russia used to be the Soviet Union. And yeah. when it when all of this broke into pieces, what happened is that all the former republics, they can live here like kind of without documents. They can just, and if you're from Kazakhstan or Mongolia or Azerbaijan or these countries that used to be in the Soviet Union, you can yeah. just move here. And the prejudice towards the immigrant is towards those guys. They are the low tier immigrants. Mm -hmm. uh, but to a guy like me, man, if Anya and I go to a place, I tell to Anya, you shut up, I speak. Because it, it, it would open my, our doors automatically just because I'm foreigner. Mm, you see what okay. I mean? Like it's just like, yeah. oh, foreign, yeah, come in, of course, yeah, help. <laughs> and in that sense, I mean, it was a way easier to migrate here than to migrate somewhere else. But of course, man, I mean, I have this joke that is super not appropriate, but I miss the black culture so much here that I have said, man, let's just grab a boat, you know, and try sail across the whole country, all across the whole world, <laughs> and go to the to Africa and to the Caribbean and just say, hey guys, just jump in here. Anybody who wants to move to Moscow, please. Because we need to build a black culture there because a society without a black culture, it's an empty society, man. It's so yeah. amazing. It's um. like, it's so incredible what happens when you remove it. It's, it's really, really interesting. It's like, like, you know, you kind it feels like you remove the floor of the world, kind of the floor <laughs> of our, the humanity. Yeah. Because we yeah. kind of come from Africa, like, like all of us yeah. and, and you remove yeah. the heartbeat of it. It really <laughs> feels like that. It feels like a body without a heart. Yeah, probably. It's like, yeah, I wonder what you mean. Yeah, yeah. So, well, mo moving towards the last part of the uh, conversation, I would like to talk a bit about your record, uh, which is out today. Um, so this is co-produced by Malcolm Cato by the Heliocentrics. So what's going on there? Uh, tell me a bit, like, we're having some beers. Dude, what's up with that record? <laughs> uh, what to say, man? Um, it's called Beaches. Beaches, exactly. Man, the third record are really happy to, yeah, about the result. Uh, we work a lot onto that and was fluid the process, you know. Uh, I don't know what to say about it, man. It's so, so many, many things I could, I would say. That I, I do, have a, I do have a good question. When I write a record, I think about the meaning of it kind of before I write it. Like, I, I want to write about that. Um, do you find, do you see where I'm going? Like, how, how do you work in that sense? Where is the meaning in your music or is it more like a acoustic exploration or do you direct your songs to say something? Um, again, again, same the question. Sure. Uh, the question is about meaning and music. 
okay. meaning. Like, like, do you do, do you want your songs to say something when you write them? Do you have this idea before you write them, or they kind of tell you what they are once they are done? Yes. So the question I, is. I, I'm, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So I'm not. Man, it really is <laughs> simple, you know. Uh, person probably. I don't. I. I never. I. I just love a group, <laughs> and that's sure. it. You know, from that came a group, and uh, boom. Oh, okay, cool. And I have the groove and probably, you know, came from the bass and after they start to, you know, work on the guitar uh, or guitar part or drums, you know, and start to, and just when it's all is finished, I, you know, an image or something that I would yes. say about, you know, and yeah, with the image um, that helped me to, in that case, the first time that's way more singing in the, in the record than mm -hmm. the, than the past. And uh, yeah, that helped me to, if I need to write a lyrics, you know, to, to have a, an image to, to write about, you know. Um, but as I'm not a songwriter, like an insolito, for example, the singer is yep. really a songwriter. So she, you know, she's bright, she write the lyrics and the meaning and, you know, image and metaphors and stuff. For me, it's really like a little bit straight, you know, straightforward, you know. Yeah. And yeah. Um, But of course, yeah, I, I I will say, you know, a ballad, I, I will call it building, <laughs> you know, <laughs> of course. Yeah, so of, there's always yeah, so, uh, a connection between, you know, what it sounds to me yeah. and, the, and the image at the end, you know? Sometimes, sometimes like, I mean, if you try to rationalize the process, it sounds like too sophisticated or too, and, and I know, I really understand that it's not like that. Sometimes things just, you know, they kind of like, Yeah. vibrate and then they show you a shape and you're like, yeah. ah, that's a shape. You're not looking for it. But you see, uh, some writers are like, I want to write that and then they take music to be like that. I think that both paths are really interesting. Yeah. Um, so kind of the album, this is more like the Musa, the Muse kind of um, relationship. You know, the Muse yeah. kind of takes you into the ocean and you go down there. Yeah. So so you were writing this on your own and then somehow Malcolm Cato got involved as well. How, how does it work for you to co-produce with somebody? Did he change a lot how you were approaching to the record? Um, no, the, the production of Malcolm is really, is wasn't that that, I mean, how you have to say it, right? Uh, Michael and I, we are friends now. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, his production was uh, the, the first thing was the way he recorded mm -hmm. the, 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 you know, the, we recorded at his studio in London. Awesome. The um, percussion, the rhythm section, percussion, drums, and bass. Mm -hmm. Okay. So there's already a, a taste in the way you know the way he 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 record and because i know him and i love the records that he produced and the, yeah. the uh, he made you know um i just you know feel comfortable into that so for me that's already a, a choice in production yeah you know because it's the sound and for me drums and bass is like a, a precaution it's the sound already of the record yeah you know especially drums it's like a it will give you straight away a vibe of the of where, where the, the record is going to and um after malcolm malcolm is always like person that is like for me it's like a sensei you know in their martial arts mm -hmm. um that 
it's his production is not like he's no no take that out or whatever just saying of course some things like you keep that you know and uh things that really surprise you for example um we were because I, we were touring with with the helios yeah and um he's really man it's like he's living into the 60s you know he bought records obsessively. He's a digger, so people know him because of that. Mm-hmm. But he's really into, you know, 60s, 60s stuff. Even 70s is too too old, you know? Yeah. Um, so 60s, 68, 69, 60, blah, So he's really into that. And we were talking about, yeah, methods of recording, how they record the funk stuff, because he used to, you know, he, he met people that record those records. Yeah. With the Jasmine records, because they were touring... It's a long story, whatever. Mm-hmm. He knows how to record and, you know, in that way, etc. And uh, after all that chat for years, you know, like, um, yeah, man, and the kick when recording that with this micro- microphone or whatever, I told him, yeah, let's record, you know, like a Vibra Slap. I remember that case, you know, the Vibra Slap in, in uh, Palos Maestros, mm-hmm. in one track of the record. Okay. You know, and the first thing said to me, man, no, at all. This is two sixties. <laughs> so you were sixtier than the sixties guy. <laughs> so I was like, "What?" And no man, let's do it. Don't do a record that you know. It's like the how you say the El Eslabón Perdido. How you say how you the, say that? The, the lost, the lost arc, kind of like the, exactly. the yeah, yeah. Or something like the missing like link. A, the missing link. The link between you know the uh, Afro-Venezuelan seventies record that you know was obscure don't yeah. do that you know do something that's more uh, you know ambiguous in some way mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know and that was really cool also opened me because uh, also I have so many influence and things that I will uh, I, I would I would like to I you saying fuck that I I was trying to do mm-hmm. you know Be- even in Caracas with the Forajidos in Caracas with so many different influences that was much more modern, you know, people that do modern stuff that are influenced by vintage stuff like Tortoise, for example. Yes. It's a completely unique world. Yes. For me, Tortoise is like, a, it's not, you, 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 can, you can say they, they listen to Can or Crowd Rock. But no, some, but they are their own stuff. Yeah. Exactly. So for me, that's, kind of that, that's the idea, you know, and Madlib as well. That Madlib... Yeah. Because he's like a sampling 60, 70 stuff, but the way he uh, is, uh, you know, uh, made a, a beat after, you know, and the college they do, you, you know, it's, it's not from that era. It's something completely new. Yeah. You know, and that that was my, it's like a man. Yes, I, I need to connect to that envy that that I had. You know, I was like, a, okay, you know, the the record I I want to do, I wanted to do, and then just before I'm doing now. Awesome. That's, that's, uh, I feel it, you know? Awesome, awesome. So, yeah, it's the kind of no production like, uh, no, let's call these people and these people because that's my production, probably. I, I produce it really well in some, I mean, I'm thinking in all the details and edited, you know, and work really into that. But Malcolm is like, a, you know, giving some advice in that direction. Yeah. You know, really general and that, that, this make a difference. Th- and also, that last thing is that, that he, when he mix, he's a character when he mix. Okay. Yeah. That happened to me two times because we mix already in solitos also with him. Ah, right. 
So he's not the guy that will mix, you know, what he we are telling. Already you can tell him nothing because he will forget. That's the first thing. And um, he won't, you know, he, 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 you can't put it in a direction because it, for me, it's like a guy who works in another part of the brain, you know? So yeah. just like a, into the feeling and um, completely unorthodox, you know? And uh, when he, uh, and we work in distance to make it harder. So when he sent me a mix, somebody's like, a, man, no, it's this no we, from the scratch, you know? It's impossible to have that and, you know, and discuss. But somebody, sometimes it's like a, he just sent to you something like this you never thought could sound like that, you know? And and I'm a person that he, because I'm already also the producer of the record. I have yeah, you the, have a vision, the, right? Of the how I want it to sound. This is the case, for example, in Mariposa. Like I wanted to sound in a way really more, you know, dry the drums or whatever. And just he sent me, you know, this massive river delay stuff. It was like, man, what the fuck is amazing, you know? I never listened like that, but now I can listen in another yes. way. Yes, yes, so, yes, yes. Lisa, it's and um, with Insolito he did something like, like that also, you know. It's not always like that, but when it's like that, it's just amazing. Yeah. Because yeah. he has a taste and a really strong personality. So that's it. Yeah. I think that I think that um I mean that kind of production, it's just like just by the presence of the person, the the the, the effect of his personality you know it's printed into the record and but it also takes it requires a special kind of songwriter tool or composer who is yeah. willing to see beyond his own vision you know and say oh, okay well thank you for that proposal i take it that's amazing you know and that's mm. really cool that you accepted that because because this is what makes the venezuelan music journey i'm really not like a patriot in the sense that this is about yeah. the world right it's not only yeah. about venezuela like yeah. like the world cares about that this is not about venezuela but but i mean it, it kind of like uh, expands our roots from caracas to london in a way because i mean this person is well in england i don't know exactly where he is but he's located in there london, and, yeah 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 so that's pretty sweet that you guys did that i'm extremely excited for that i cannot wait to hear it so bro i promise you i will let you go after an hour we have done an hour together. I know you're a busy guy. You have stuff to do. We all have stuff to do. We have kids to take care of. Exactly. This is an open invitation. You know that I want guests to come back. So I'm sure that we will do this again in a point. Uh, what's up? What's up in the future? I mean, is this is I'm asking this as a fan. I get to ask this as a fan. And I'm very happy. Can I expand music? Expect music of uh, Monsalve and Los Forajidos coming out forever? Or I mean, do you plan to push this as long as you're alive? Or who knows? Yeah. I, I can't think now in the in the you know new new music because I'm just yeah, into I, the I'm near, not talking about the but, future but yeah the near future but yeah in general I mean the thing is um, it's my project perfect I, I have I did it with now four different uh, lineups that's the best so, man so it's it's with me I, I I keep this project with me so if I go to Moscow probably you know. I will find you in the guitar and another guy, you know, and the, the man, do the, you know, I start to, yes. to, to teach you the songs. Um, I'm becoming older. I'm becoming a pain in the ass with musicians. Sure. <laughs> because I'm, I have a more and more clear what I wanted yeah. and what I want in, yeah. in, 
the sound, mm -hmm. but always with the is this really delicate line with the openness, you know, of working with people that inspire me, and and, and how you say, and yeah, like Malcolm, as I told you, like just some uh, propose you something completely new to you, and that's the magic of the stuff, yeah. But I mean, for the moment, yes, it's a pro even. I did a post even for, you know, the, the band hasn't played the live for two years now. Yep. So I was like thinking maybe it's the moment, you know, I would just focus with Insolito or and thing was, yes, I was my baby. My first baby was born, he was too born in May. Yeah. We played in London in January and Miguel from Nolindo has said, man, for when the, for Ajido's record. I had the visa till April mm -hmm. to London, to England. And I said, man, let's compose this record in one month. You know? ah, because with a baby, it will be so difficult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you did right. You know, a new, newborn is, you know, keep my time. Man, actually, and I, I didn't know even, you know, the COVID one year <laughs> after. So if I, if I delayed it one year, yeah, I was completely fucked, you know? Yeah. And uh, so I was like in the, in the, that's the reason it's really funny, this record, because I did it that really more simple than the, the other ones. You know, I, I I I was really investing in the composition, but really quickly in like one two months or one month and a half. Yeah. You know, yeah. I finished the, the tracks I wanted and the rest came in the process, you yeah. know? Yeah. So um that, that's it, man. So what to say about the future? I really want to play. That's that what I can tell you. And you know, have new band here. That's a different kind of different band from the record. We have the same keyboard player, one of the singer. Mm -hmm. We have this an, a new guitar player. Uh, we have the same sax, a new drummer, and the same percussionist. Yeah, long story from the for Ajidos here in Paris, but yep. not the same that record the record. So he, but he will be in the in the live shows, and um, so we start to to rehearse in like. A, uh, different groups, I would say, like uh, horns, yeah. drums, yeah. and and I, I see everybody like uh, how is you know is sounding the individual. I can't like you know I can't wait to put everybody together and and awesome. you know rock, rock out the and stage, man. I really really looking forward to that. Awesome, man! Like the yeah. world, the world is looking forward to that. Like uh, the, your music is really fantastic. I, I'm really say it from the heart. Like, thank you so much for what you do. Because I, I mean, there has been many, many cold winter nights. You know, with a minus 25. You know, when I just get my little piece of the Caribbean in my car, and it just totally illuminates. You know, <laughs> my day. And uh, I think that that's the most important thing sometimes because it's so hard to be a musician. We forget that there is that kid there somewhere who all of a sudden pressed play and got really a better moment and a better situation thanks to you. You know, Man, amazing. If it, yeah. that's, uh, and that's why we do yeah. this. That's why we do this. Yeah, yeah. that's why we make music. Never, and, yeah, and that's it, yeah. It's just one person. It's just the whole world. You know, that's, you know, amazing. You know, I yeah. always, uh, I always say, and the thing I think it's a great way to close this. I have two stories that made my already my life in music worthwhile. I was once time, one, one time played a show in La Cigarra in Caracas. It's a bar, a bar there. And so when I arrived, the, the guy from, you know, there, in Caracas, there are usually these guys who take care of your car 
I mean, in the sense that bien cuidadito, you know, take care of your car. Like, uh -huh. if, if you don't pay him money, your car will have a problem. It's kind of like the opposite. It's like, <laughs> it's like exactly. you pay so you don't get problems. And so the guy, the guy came to me like a guy from the streets, you know, all mauled up, fucked up. And he was like, bien cuidadito. And I was stupid in that moment. And I told him, man, like I'm bringing some like clients today to the bar. So you're going to make some money with them. You know, like, come on, like I'm playing a show. I don't want to pay money to play a show. Like, come on. And yeah. then I was the whole show. I was like, you know, like, fuck. Like, <laughs> I shouldn't have said that, man. Like, ah, like, what the fuck? And when the show ended, the, the guy came running to me. You know, this guy don't care about anything. He has no family, nothing. And he came running to me and I was like, oh, hey, oh shit, here it comes. Like, I mean, and the guy told me, man, you will never pay parking anywhere I am because that show was, was amazing. amazing. And I was like, like i mean amazing yeah for me like if nothing else happened in my life in music like that moment made it worthwhile that i could give that happiness to a person for 15 minutes who has that life you know and the second thing is that i, I mean when the second thing that music gave me that it was worthwhile is that uh when i when i was living in london i had my band and my guitarist we had a little tour booked and my guitarist decided to move back to his country one week before the tour so we we're like damn dude like come on like we have everything planned like and i told to my drummer bro let's go and let's play as a duo it would be shit, but i don't want to stop this like i don't yeah, care go. let's just go oh, yeah and we played a show and that night i met my wife so Bam. Really? <laughs> I would have canceled that show and I would never be in Moscow, nothing. I met her in that show and we married. I mean, you know, my wife and I, we met on a Saturday and we started living together on that Sunday. I mean, it was like, hi, I love Boom. you. Let's get married. So music. Thank you very much. Also, music brought me to people like you. So, Amazing, man. What a story. Amazing. Yeah. So, bro, I let you go. I know you have a lot of stuff to do and a family to take care of. Thank you so much no, for no, your no, music. Uh, so, so it's yeah. uh, mostly that uh, today is the, the release of the record. So exactly. we are like, probably my WhatsApp will be like... A <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> like, a, man, go post uh, Facebook, whatever, you know, what we need to do in those these so kind of days. For, I'm going to put all the info down in the description of this video. But anyways, if you can tell us, like, uh, where can we find you? Where, what is the best place to buy your music to get it so you can get a better deal? Like, what's up? What's going man, on? What the, people need the to best, do? The best is Bandcamp, okay? Go to Bandcamp, buy it in Bandcamp because uh, if it's a Friday Bandcamp, even better because Bandcamp doesn't charge you like, oh, the, yeah. the fees. And um, then there's the money that goes straight to us, okay, to the label and me. Um, but buy it everywhere. We're really happy with uh, Miguel was, was telling me that, uh, you know, the, the, it's really expensive to send records to the States now. Uh -huh. And uh, But people is buying, man. Awesome. So happy to, to, you know, if it's three people or whatever, people are buying this record in, you know, for 40 quid or for, you know, how much? Man, that's, you know, I hope to play you a, a gig for free one day. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> okay, so that's, that's, that's really cool. And um, if not, it's in Spotify and all the, you know, the, the shit awesome. around. Thank you very yes. much, man. Like, I love Thank you, you a lot. Bro. I hope to see yes, you soon. Same. 
and take good care and good luck with everything and well i hope i'm sure that this release will be a step to make the next one higher and higher and higher and uh i hope i remember that um that documentary famous documentary of fella kuti where he's sitting down with no shirt you know with a massive joint saying yeah. i'm the king of african music you know <laughs> uh i hope to I, i'm pretty sure that we'll see a similar documentary in the future about you man thank you very much for what you do <laughs> <laughs> just promise me that the joint will be huge no, I, exactly yeah <laughs> And no shirt. <laughs> and no shirt. Not shirt part. Yeah. No, I man. Cool, Thank man. you very much. Take care. Thank man. you, bro. Thank yeah, you. Bye. Bye. Speak to you bye. soon. Bye.